here in a while, so although I'm feeling really low energy and a little bit lifeless today, I'm kind of excited to put one together and share my thoughts and feelings and get that back out there. So I've already started the recording for this podcast like five times and I'm just having a really hard time putting this all together in words, so I'm just going to take my time and try to breathe, (sighs) relax, and go nice and slow and try to talk about everything in the most clear manner that I possibly can to get my message out to you. Um, Before we get into the topic of what we're talking about today, I wanted to share with you a little bit about what I've been doing. So I have been living in my van for the past couple months, and uh, I just want to start off by saying also that I know that I'm very privileged and I'm very thankful that I have this cool space to live in and I know that some other people end up in their vans because of different situations and they don't want to be there or it's not a safe space or it's not an ideal space Um, and it's this big struggle and it's not a good thing. So I just wanted to mention that, that I know that because I have the van life hashtags everywhere because now it's like a more trendier thing. Um, But So yeah, I feel very privileged and very lucky to be able to live in a safe space in a really nice area um, and feel like I can take care of myself and feel taken care of at the same time. So I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, But I just made a video. I think it's like (laughs) hashtag van life or something like that um, that shows you what it's like for me living in my van, what my space looks like inside the storage, what I do to go to the bathroom, to take a shower, and different things like that. So I show you inside of my van, I show you the compostable outdoor toilet, which has been really gross lately because it doesn't empty the way that I thought it would, and then, like, poop gets all over me. So I'll have to make a whole other video about that because it looks really clear and clean and easy in my video, but it's not like that in reality. Um, So for those of you listening to this podcast, ooh, you get the special insider about the actual toilet situation. Um, But besides that, I have an outdoor shower and different things like that. So I explained that all to you and what it's been like so far. So if you're interested in that, I will put a link in my bio. Make sure to check it out. And if you have a YouTube, uh, subscribe to me, not only so that you can see my videos, but so that I can see yours because I don't do that much on YouTube. And I'd like to get on that more because I just think it's a really interesting and cool way to share information in a really quick manner. So that is that. If you want to check out the video, check on that. Right now, I am actually sitting in my van, and you might be able to hear the rain outside because it is raining. It's slowed down more. And you might also be able to hear the bugs and the insects that are constantly chirping and singing, and it's, it's really relaxing. I know when I send voice messages from my phone or even in my recorded videos, you can hear them in the background too. So I'm just wondering if you're going to pick that up in this podcast also. And if you do, 
I hope it's really relaxing and, you know, not super annoying, but it's relaxing me a lot right now, and I just feel like I really need that. Um, other than that, I'm working on a travel guide right now for a publishing company, which I think is due the 17th of this month, so when that comes out, I won't get anything from writing it. They kind of hired me to write it for them under their name, and I don't get anything. It's like a resume builder, but I'll still post a picture of that or something because that's kind of cool, uh, and I just started working for Milk Hurts and Mothers Against Dairy, two different anti-dairy campaigns, which I've admired for a little bit now, so I'm pretty excited about that. That is, yeah, those are all the life updates I have for you. I'm really excited I could just make it through that one section because um, I was having such a hard time doing that in the previous few recordings I was doing. And now I want to tell you about what we're here to talk about today, which is the 24-hour vigil that I just went to in Tar Heel, North Carolina. Um, it is home to Smithfield, which is one of or the, if I understand right, largest slaughterhouse, pig slaughterhouse in the world right now. I believe that they might be building one in China, which could be a competitor on the largeness scale. But as I understand right now, this one is the largest. So I went there with other folks, and we did a 24-hour vigil. Um, and I know not everyone's familiar with what a vigil is. If you're an activist and you are, just hang in there for a second. But um, a vigil is where you go and you bear witness to suffering that is happening. So we did a pig vigil. So we went and we were there to watch what was going on with these pigs as they were right outside and entering the slaughterhouse. Um, there are different reasons why I think that we do vigils. And this is one... These are the reasons that I do them. One, so I can see the suffering that's actually happening that I talk about all the time. Um, it's different. You may see one of those like really disturbing animal rights videos about what happens to animals for food or fur or whatever that is pop up on your Facebook feed, pop up on YouTube if you click on the wrong thing or whatever. You know, we've all seen those videos and we're like, ah, get this out of my face. It's really horrific. Um, I think when you start to go vegan or you're interested in that or you're just curious, you start to watch those videos on purpose and they scar you because they're awful. But then you see some of this stuff in person and it has a totally different effect on you. Uh, so we can all watch things on the internet, and for some of us, we're like, yeah, that is real time, that's really disturbing, that really bothers me, um, but I just think it's so different in person, like, I'm like, yes, this is real time, I'm here, they're suffering, I'm standing five feet away, and there's, it feels like there's nothing that I can do about it, and it's really sad, and it's really in your face, and it's really disturbing, and it is a huge wake-up call if you are disconnected between, um, what's happening to these animals every single day. And the interesting thing about doing a 24-hour vigil is that I've never been outside of a slaughterhouse for that long. I've never been there to see this whole process for that many hours straight. So I can usually go, you know, for what, five, six hours we usually go for, and I can watch it, and, you know, of course I'm very upset and disturbed and all that stuff. Um, but then I get to leave and, like, in this time window where I still feel put together in some ways and I still 
feel okay in some ways on some other levels. But this one just had a totally different effect. Being there for 24 hours and not getting that much sleep and seeing this thing constantly go, 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 and this killing machine go, 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 and never stop was so different. It just was a real reminder to me that this is happening all the time. Like, all the time. So 33,000 pigs are killed every day at Smithfield, this slaughterhouse we're talking about. And another activist actually commented on one of my posts lately and said that a worker told her that it was 39,000 every day. So I'm not quite sure what the actual number is, but that is way too many. One is way too many, but that number is outrageous. So we do vigils to bear witness to this. Um, We do it for that personal knowing and that personal, you know, feeling of what's going on, you know, when we're talking, I can say, no, I've seen this, and I, I've, like, felt what it feels like to bear witness, and this is why I'm so passionate about it, and this isn't an issue, this is an issue that we need to talk about now, like, it gives you that urgency. Um, Besides that, people take a lot of pictures and videos, I know I do that, and I share things on social media, so it's not just me there seeing what I see, but I'm sharing it with all of my followers, you know, friends, family, people I know, too, that have me on social media, and, you know, we all have different social media followings regarding the number of people that we have on social media, but even if you share that with one person, one person, and they decide to stop eating animals, Those are so many lives that are saved by that one person making that choice. And then you never know, that one person could be some activist who really changes the world in all these huge ways. Um, Maybe they start a program, or maybe they just convert one other person. But whatever, it puts a ripple effect out there. So I think it's so important to share these things on social media too, especially right now when we're in a time where we share everything on social media and I do the same so I'm not saying it's a bad thing um also we go there to give water and love and emotional support to the animals right before they go into the slaughterhouse so specifically at a pig vigil we give the pigs water they've been on the transport trucks for a long time they probably haven't had water in a really long time it could be days um and they're dying like Some of them are already dead. Some of them are hanging on to their life, like in the last seconds of their life. But they haven't had love. They haven't had water. They haven't had food. They haven't had rest. They haven't had safety. So even if I just get to be with a pig, (laughs) I hope I don't cry. I feel like I'm going to cry right now. Um, For the last, you know, five seconds before they go into the slaughterhouse and they're murdered, that's a big deal to me, and I know that, like, that is some sort of something for them, um, probably just because they haven't felt that love or kindness, maybe ever in their lives, because of how factory farming is, and just other farming is, um, so that is a really big deal, and I think that's something really special that we can do, you know, we can show up, we can say, hey, I see you, I hear you, I'm trying my best, I'm going to give you water, even if it's for a few seconds, and I just really want you to know that I'm I'm here and I'm doing as much as I can in this moment. And I hope that they can pick up on that. You know, I'm not in their body, so I can't speak for them, but I hope that we can bring them some sort of comfort. Um, so we just do these vigils to raise awareness, show people what's actually happening, 
uh, even if we're not inside the slaughterhouses, we usually don't go inside for these. We're just outside, and we, we see the trucks when they stop on the corner, and we can stop them, and we can see the pigs inside and things like that. Um, but it's still raising awareness. Um, so in particular, why are we going to this one slaughterhouse, Smithfield? Why are we looking at them? Why are we targeting them? Um, one, it's a really good location here in North Carolina for everyone to go to. Two, they are huge. Three, they have so much cruelty that they do against animals. It is unreal. Um, I have some friends that went and rescued pigs from this hellish place that wouldn't have survived were they not, um, rescued. And Smithfield just, like, these pigs are not someone's to them. They're products. They are the same to you and I as an alarm clock is to us, as a pen is. Like, they don't care. You break it, okay, you get a new one. You accidentally step on it and it crushes. It doesn't really matter. You can replace it. Like, that is just what it is. I don't, I mean, I do understand, but people still have this idea that their meat, a.k.a animal flesh that they're eating comes from some small family farm where they treat the animals like they're family and they're really kind to them and they have everything they need. Like, no, 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 no. From what I understand, 99.9% of animal flesh comes from factory farms. And even if you go to a small family farm, you're, they're literally raising animals to kill them. That's not what you do to family. That's not love. That's not compassion. That's not humane, like, on any any level at all. So even if, you know, your animal flesh that you're eating was coming from a small family farm, there's still ugly, disgusting practices that happen there, and that's still super sick and twisted. So, you know, Smithfield is like this, but on a huge, massive scale, animals are treated horribly, and I can see that from not even going inside, but just from watching the trucks that go into the slaughterhouse. Um, so we are there for the pigs. We're there to talk about the environment. I will post a link in this bio so you can go read all of the facts about the environment and what Smithfield is doing to the environment in that area, um, and also what animal agriculture is doing to the planet on a global scale. Uh, Global animal agriculture is the leading cause of climate change, species extinction, and animal cruelty, like I was just talking about. And I could go on all day about that. So I'm going to leave a link in the bio, you know, with some simple facts, really easy to read, um, pretty easy to comprehend because I'm not good at reading super sciencey things, but I understand this. Um, so it won't take that much time if you're interested in that. Just give it a click and go on over there. We are there to raise awareness also about the workers that are inside. So I could sit here and tell you facts about, you know, um, abuse in the home and how that goes up for slaughterhouse workers and PTSD and different things like that. But, like, just from person to person, me to you listening, wherever you are, can you please just stop for a minute and think about what it would be like to be a slaughterhouse worker, or maybe you are, I don't know who's listening, um, but can you imagine that your job is to take away innocent lives every day from animals? Like, we are animal lovers here, so we say, you know, we love our cats and dogs, and we'll do anything for them, and we treat them like 
our children and things like that. So imagine if this slaughterhouse was filled with baby puppies and you had to stun them every day and slit their throats and see their bodies hanging upside down and see blood dripping out of them. That would take a huge emotional, psychological toll on you. And that's what slaughterhouse workers are subjected to every day and that they're participating in. And we're not there against them. We're there for them because besides that, there's a lot of problems um, with slaughterhouse workers not being paid fair wages, um, being targeted in places where they can't really afford, they can't really find any other job and they're kind of stuck with that one and so many other things. So I could also go on all day about that, but then I would never get to what I was here to talk about today. Um, and the last thing, the last thing I wanted to say about Smithfield and just eating animals in general is how bad it is for your health. And I am not, uh, a, licensed nutritionist or anything like that, but I can personally tell you that eating plants and uh, more whole plant-based foods changed my life a lot, and it changes the lives of so many others, and when you're consuming all these hormones and chemicals and crap and dead flesh in your body, it doesn't have a good effect on your body. There's there's nothing healthy about it. So I can also try to find another good link for that so you can check that out as well if you're interested in learning more about that. So we did a 24-hour vigil. 24 hours. Um, and the suffering that I felt during this 24 hours was nothing at all minuscule compared to the suffering that these animals go through from the day they're born till the day they have their throat slit and die so that humans can eat their bodies. So I just wanted to put that out there also that whatever I complain about is nothing compared to that. But I still think it's important to talk about activists and what they're doing and how they're feeling too and have an open conversation about that to support healing and community and to prevent burnout. So I think that's really important as well. Um, the rain is picking up here too, so I still hope that you are able to hear me and stick with me. <laughs> I can also feel my voice fluctuating a lot and, like, feeling really revved up and then, like, really tired of talking already and then feeling like I'm going to cry and then feeling angry and all that good stuff, but, or not good stuff, just all that stuff. So if you're listening to this, I hope that you can kind of take this all in with an open heart and just know I'm being vulnerable and just sharing everything that I'm feeling with you, which isn't always the easiest thing to do. So I'm going to tell you the process of what it is like um, of starting this vigil. So one, you have to plan. You have to plan a lot to have a vigil. You have to make sure you have food and water there for the people attending. You have to make sure you have water for the pigs that you're going to give to them. Um, you have to organize people to come. You have to try to find rides for people. You have to send out the messages. You have to um, make sure that you're not maybe breaking any laws. You have to go through the police security, stuff like that. And for this one, you know, you had to have a bunch of different teams. If you're going to be somewhere for 24 hours, you have to have someone awake that whole time. You have to have someone um, who knows how to talk to law enforcement that time, that whole time. You have to have someone who knows how to keep everyone safe around the trucks for that time, etc. So you have all these positions you need to fill. So there's a ton of planning that goes into vigils, and especially 
a 24-hour vigil like this one. So it was a lot of planning. Um, thank you to everyone who planned that because you really did an amazing, amazing job. And then I just bring this up because I'm going to kind of go through the comments later that people say about activists when they're driving by and they see us protesting and they start yelling at us. But one thing that people always say to us is like, get a job. And it doesn't personally bother me, but I guess because we were there for 24 hours, you just like these comments start to go into your head more and more. And, you know, maybe at one time I would have thought the same thing about activists. But if you're thinking the same thing about activists, just know that we all, you know, spend our time, energy, and money to get to these places and to organize and, you know, provide for each other while we're there. So, for example, for me, you know, I had almost a six-hour drive, which, you know, is gas money, the energy, the time, that, that's time that you're not working. And then I arrive and we set up. Um, so I got there at 11.30 and the vigil started at midnight on that Thursday night. So we were just kind of getting set up. We plan to have someone counting all the trucks for 24 hours that go into the slaughterhouse, which we did, kind of. I'll explain that later, too. Um, and then we actually have to start doing it. So after <laughs> the six-hour drive, you know, not sleeping at all, we get to this awful place where it's this small town, and this slaughterhouse is huge. I forgot how big it was, but when you see it lit up at night, it's like four malls put together, and it's disgusting. And as soon as you get five miles away from the slaughterhouse and you have your vents on or you have the windows down, the stink just comes into your vehicle, and it makes your space smell awful. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's just really gross. The area around the slaughterhouse is really dirty, too. Like, you know, you can tell there's just poop on things. They spray poop into the air there. Um, everything stinks. The ground is dirty. Everything's just, I don't know, it's just really gross in a sad way because you know it's all coming from the slaughterhouse there. Um, so, yeah, we got there, and we started counting trucks at midnight. And... We stood by the entrance, and the police ended up moving us to a different spot by the slaughterhouse, and we kept counting trucks and kind of bearing witness as these trucks at the main entrance went by really fast. We weren't able to get up close to them. Um, and I am not good at getting a little bit of sleep. Like, if I get anything, un I, I sound so like, I don't know, like, oh, if I get anything under eight hours, but if I get anything under eight hours of sleep, I sometimes have a difficult time with that, I feel like very sleep sensitive, seven and a half hours is good, but you get under that, and I just feel kind of groggy, um, and stuff, so it was harder for me to try to stay awake, and I think I stayed awake till maybe like 6 30 in the morning, and then I took a nap for like 15 to 20 minutes outside of the slaughterhouse, um, we had we eventually got chairs and set them up by the entrance and a blanket so that a few activists could fall asleep. But there was a whole group of us up there counting trucks and, you know, being there to watch each other around the police for safety and things like that. So a few people had to be up at all times. So I got a little bit of sleep there. Um, and then when more people came, we were able to kind of change up positions, and I was able to go down to the corner where we bear witness to the trucks where they have a red light so they have to stop and we can go up to the trucks and we can take pictures and videos uh, and give them love and touch them and all those things uh, that we do so 
I got to do that later on also. And so basically the next day that we bore witness there was us switching off on shifts, always having someone counting the trucks, finding time to try to get out of the heat. It was so hot that day. The police actually had an ambulance circling just in case someone collapsed because of exhaustion. It was so hot and sunny and it was just like impossible to escape the heat. You could come in your car, but then you were sweating and it was humid and stuffy and it smelled bad and it's it's hard to breathe out there. So like we would try to go into local businesses, but you know, they don't want you in there, especially as protesters. And so it's just really not an ideal situation to be in. It's not fun. And we spent 24 hours doing that. So it was a cycle like counting trucks and then bearing witness and then trying to make sure you drink enough water and get out of the heat, and then maybe sleeping for 15 minutes here and there. Uh, At some point, I was feeling really exhausted, and I think I fell asleep in my car for a couple hours, which was really, really nice, but I know that other activists didn't do that, so shout out to them. They are hardcore. Some people stayed awake the full 24 hours plus more, and then when we were done, you know, we had a six-hour drive back, so we slept in a parking lot, three of us in my van before we drove on back. Uh, But I wanted to talk to you about what I saw in the trucks. So once again, like I said, I think it's important to talk about our experiences as activists because we're kind of explaining what it might be like for others if they're interested in activism. You know, we're able to do self-care and connect with each other so that we don't burn out and we can keep going And also so that we can just share our perspective um, because I think that a lot of people don't realize all the time, money, and effort that goes into organizing these things. And maybe if they can understand that, they can understand how serious we are and like, oh, maybe this is an issue I should care about because all these people are really dedicated to it. Maybe I should check it out. But maybe that's just me dreaming. I just think that's something that could happen when we talk about our experiences. Um, But looking inside the truck is awful. (laughs) It's really draining and it's really sad. So you're standing on the corner and slaughter trucks are pulling up, you know, one after another after another. And they're double layered and there's holes in the side of the truck so you can see pigs. Um, And It's honestly really, really hard. It, like, (laughs) haunts me at night in my dreams. It haunts me during the day when I think about it because, especially now after I've been living on a sanctuary and helping care for animals, like, I feel like I can understand pigs a little bit better and their facial expressions and their sounds and things like that. But even without that experience, you can see that these pigs are terrified. Um... So when they pull up and we try to get the truck drivers to stop and we look inside, all of the pigs are slammed together. Some of them have spray paint on them because they are objectified. Um, Some of them have probably been beaten, electrocuted, different things like that. I, some of my friends saw some dead pigs. One, I think their neck was snapped and their head was all the way back because my friend said that, you know, of course, naturally, their neck doesn't do that. So they probably got slammed somewhere and their neck got messed up like that and they died. Um, that's how close these pigs are in these slaughter trucks. They are on top of each other. And then, of course, it's hot. So, like, I couldn't even 
stand standing outside for more than a few hours, but these pigs could be on these transport trucks for a couple days. And I know they have laws about when they have to stop, but they're not unloading the trucks to let the pigs get off at a rest stop and stretch their legs and get fresh air and give them water and food. Like, no, 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 that's, that's not happening. They're crammed together continuously after spending a lifetime of being crammed in factory farms. And then they're forced to go on these trucks and be on top of each other in spaces where they can't breathe because the air is so heavy and so gross. The bottom of the transport truck is just their poop and pee, feces, all together in this awful mix that smells bad and you know that is not sanitary. And that's what they're standing and sliding on. Um, So that is an awful thing, an awful bedding for them to have. And they're throwing up on each other. Like, you'll see throw up all over these pigs. Because, one, you know, they're stuck in these trucks. Two, they can't breathe. Three, you know, they're getting nauseous and they're sick and they're dying. So they're throwing up all over each other. Um, They're sad. I know people will be like, how do you know they're sad? You look in the truck and you know they're sad. They are sad. They are scared. They are terrified. And they are desperate. When I was looking into this truck... Uh, I removed a pig's ear, like if you've seen a pig before, their ears kind of flop over their eyes, and I saw this pig was foaming at the mouth, and they do that when they're really thirsty and dehydrated, and so I moved their ear back from over their eye, and I don't know if I've ever seen a more horrified look in my whole entire life, actually. It was like a horror movie. This pig was looking at me like, please, you have to do something, like, you know when you're watching a horror film and the main character, someone's coming to kill them and they catch someone's eye and it's that look. It's like, please help me before something really terrible happens. That's what was happening with this pig and it just felt awful to not be able to stop the truck and get them off and take care of them and give them all the love that they deserve um, and say sorry, you know, for everything that has happened to them. But I have seen, you know, pigs look scared and sad and things like that, but that pig looked absolutely petrified, and it kind of smashed my heart into a hundred pieces, and I just felt really helpless, and kind of lifeless, and low, and disgusted that we as humans have the ability to make these choices, and be kind to others, and you know, protect our planet, and thrive, we have enough resources to thrive, but we decide to do this instead Uh, And I know there's a lot of education that needs to be done and things like that, but it still disgusts me every time I see it. So that was pretty hard. Um, I left that visual feeling uplifted, which is probably surprising for you to hear me say, in a couple ways because, one, community really came together to pull this off. Uh, That was a big event, and I was really proud of everyone for making it happen. And that, you know, it felt really nice that other people would go camp out at this awful, disgusting, smelly, dirty place with me where there's death happening right beside us and just, you know, the awful vibes in the air, um, that other people would go and they would stay there with me for 24 hours or more in that, you know, they would be really sleepy and hungry and tired and hot and all these things that are really uncomfortable, but they, they would push through it because they cared that much. So that was really amazing to have those people there. And I'm really thankful for my friends that are willing to do that because 
just seeing the suffering can be really hard and it's nice to know that you're not the only one seeing it and you're not the only one who's trying to work against it. Um, so that's what it looked like. That's what it felt like. And there were so many things while we were there that people shouted out us. So one thing, like I said, where people are always like at protest, always, they're like, go get a job. And I just hope these people know that most of us have a job or two or three. It's not that we have nothing to do with our time and we're just like, oh, this might be fun. It's that we're there for a certain reason and it costs us emotional energy and time and physical energy and money, you know, and we're losing time that we could be working and different things like that. So it takes a lot to get us there. We're not some people who are just like, oh, yeah, this is fun. Let's just go here for fun. No, that's not what it's like at all. People um, are having to find people to watch their kids. People are using all the money they have to buy gas to get there. People are losing out on work time. People are having to reschedule things that they had planned and try to work things out so that people could watch their family members or their loved ones or their kids or their companion animals or whoever else. I mean, it's not easy. It's not like we're all just bored on a Thursday night and we thought that this would be the best way to spend it like no it's not like that at all and I wish that these people could think about that before they just throw out comments like that and shut down to listening to anything that we have to say another comment that you hear a lot of people make is that but bacon tastes good or but bacon or Trump or something else like that and just because something feels good or tastes good or feels like it gives you power or whatever else it is doesn't mean that it is the moral thing to do or the right or kind thing to do. Um, if we equated what something feels or tastes good or smells good or looks good or whatever that is and excused all of our violent acts just because it's good, can you imagine how much worse the world would be? I mean, it's already in this state of distress and panic because of all the violence that's happening um, because we can't look past our own personal desires and see how it's harming others. So this is just one of those examples of where we're thinking about ourselves in something very small, like we're addicted to the taste of someone's flesh, and then that excuses taking someone else's life um, enslaving them, violating their reproductive system, and then killing them to eat their flesh. Like, that, that's really messed up. So I know that, you know, it's all culture, and like I said before, we have a lot of education to do, and different things, tradition, but that's not an excuse. Um, that's something that we have to see, and we have to say, okay, I see where you're at, but can you look at it this way? Because I think if you actually got to the bottom of your heart and you looked at what we're talking about, I don't think that those are your true values. Another thing that everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people said when they came up to our protest was, we're worried about, you know, you shutting this place down and our jobs. What's going to happen to all the workers in there? They need to feed their families. They need to pay their bills, et cetera, et cetera, things like that. And I know that I'm really privileged, so I can't speak to this in the best way or even from experience, but I can understand the fact that there have been many other things in the past that people have profited off of, that they'd made a living off of, 
that came on the backs of exploiting others and just because that's how we do it now doesn't give it an excuse to exist in the first place. We shouldn't be making money like that off of exploiting others and killing others and, you know, harming the planet and our health and things like that at the same time. So I know a couple people and a couple uh, organizations who are doing this really awesome thing where they're trying to help farmers who farm animals turn their farm into a place where they grow vegetables instead, which is better for the environment, better for health, and of course the animals aren't suffering in the process. So I just hope we can come up with more programs like that in the future so that people still will have jobs and they can still feed their families and hopefully you know, in a better, more sustainable, life-giving way than how it's going now. Also, as a side note, the slaughterhouse is most likely, unfortunately, probably not just going to shut down one day and everyone will lose their job and it will be a big thing and they'll freak out and not know what to do. It's going to be a gradual process. I mean, a small percent of people on Earth are vegan and an even smaller percent are activists. And although we're making some big changes, it's also going to take a long time. So it's not going to be, I don't believe that it's going to be this one day thing where everything shuts down and then suddenly the world has changed and people are freaking out. No, it's going to be gradual and hopefully we can help people make transitions and we can have plans in place so that everyone is still taken care of. And like I said, I am not a genius and I'm not an expert on this, but this is something that we talk about in, you know, the vegan activist community and people are really working on this. So like I said, I hope this is something that continues. The last comment that I wanted to comment on was not a comment that anyone made at the actual vigil, but a comment that someone made online on my live Facebook video that I did um, while we were bearing witness outside of the slaughterhouse and I asked a few people why they were there. I will also put that link in the description so that you can check that out and see what they had to say. I really like that video. Uh, but someone got on my video, a heckler, and asked if the person in the video even brushes their hair. And we soon found out that this person was not referring to me um, they were referring to someone else, my friend Riva, who's a woman, and from what it seemed like, from what I can see on Facebook, this looked like a white male who was commenting this, and it was just not shocking at all, but also like, we're standing in front of this slaughterhouse, and pigs are being murdered, and we're talking from the bottom of our hearts, and we're tired, and we're still trying to be compassionate and kind, and you're gonna comment on our hair? Like, really? That's what you're focused on in this moment? It just, the, the disconnect is unreal. The, like, looking at everything from a surface level is unreal. And usually I don't think I would be so, like, annoyed by that comment, but the fact that it was coming from a white male, like I said, from what I understand, uh, made it extra annoying. And, oh, God, like... I just wish that we could stop focusing on things like that. And of course, you know, he was saying it about a woman. And someone commented and said that they know I wash my hair and that they know I'm clean and things like that. And that person was one of my friends. And I know they were just trying to stick up for me. But the fact that this is even what this permit, this person was focusing on is outrageous. Like, it shakes me to my core a little bit. And usually Facebook comments do. But it was just a very sad measure of where we are in some parts of society right now. Uh, 
I wish that I could sit down and talk to that person in real life and be like, okay, let's push all this crap to the side, the comments about hair, the baking comments, the get a job comments. Can we actually talk about the problem that's happening? Uh, Because I know that you're a human and you probably have love in your heart somewhere and you can see that these animals are suffering. Can we talk about that minus the excuses and the jokes and the distractions? That's what I would really like to do. But I think that you know, while you're doing the vigil and why you're there, and then afterwards when you're draining, you see something like that, and you're like, really? Really? Like, this is a representation of the problem right now. This is, like, it in black and white. Um, so, my rant. I just wanted to share about that a little bit. So, I think that's about the end of this episode. After I got to rant and cry a little bit and share with you what I saw and what it felt like and what the 24-hour vigil was. Uh, If you're interested in planning one in your area, let me know. I would love to try to help you with that or put you in contact with people who are better at it than I am and different things like that. If you have questions about what we saw at the vigil or how you can share what we saw or what it's like if you have additional questions to how it feels more than what I've shared, feel free to reach out about that. But if you made it to the end of this, thank you so much for listening. Uh, It's scary sometimes to share how I feel, especially when it all seems so intense and fresh, but I think that it's needed. Uh, So yeah, I hope that you're just able to receive that with an open heart and an open mind and chew on what, you know, I'm feeling and my experience and the experiences that I could share. So also, my good friend Carrie, who has a podcast called So Freaking Vegan and an awesome YouTube channel and an awesome Instagram and makes really cool music videos about veganism. I know that Carrie also did a podcast about her experience at the 24-hour vigil, and I want to start listening to Carrie's podcast, so I'm going to start doing that. But I didn't want to listen to it before I shared my own experience, just so like I was being authentic and only thinking about my own feelings and not like somehow working other people's feedback into my own podcast. So now I'm going to go listen to Carrie's and I'm interested to see how hers differs from mine. So I'm also going to put the link to Carrie's podcast in the bio because I think that's a really great resource and Carrie's really awesome and that's just another wealth of knowledge and information for you to tap into. Um, (laughs) That's all. I'm exhausted And I'm going to read a book and eat some, like, plant-based deli slices and brush my teeth and go to bed. So that is that. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time.